we have a responsibility to ensure that our greatness impacts people within the world. And if we do not take care of that gift or hone that ability, we are robbing the world of our greatness. Welcome to the Freedom Slay podcast, where entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, and other passionate peeps come to fast track their success. If you're trying to make boss moves, hit that subscribe button because you don't want to miss out on any of the goods. Because every week you're going to hear the behind the scenes real tea from people making ginormous leaps to grow their business. And as a result, you're going to get the tools that you need to slay your own business goals. If you want to create a life of time and financial freedom, all while doing the things that you absolutely love, you're in the right place. Because we chat making impact and bank ground here. My name is Gainette Jones, your host and Freedom Slayer in charge here. Let's begin. Welcome or welcome back to the Freedom Slay podcast. On today's episode, we have my friend Brandon Opalaby on, and he is the engineer of opportunity. He's the founder and CEO of Dibia Dream, Dibia Athletic. He's the CSO and founder of, of Science. He's done a lot, and he's actually been on the podcast before. He's been on episode 79, talking about the harder, darker side of entrepreneurship that people don't see. And we're going to dive a bit more into that on this episode and talk about his new business, which is called Science, and what is different about this. Because he normally, he has a charity already, he has a service-based business, but this was his first time launching a physical product. So he gets into some of those challenges, and we talk about some really interesting things I think you're going to appreciate on this episode for any entrepreneur or any aspiring entrepreneur, I think it's important lessons you're going to get out of this when it comes to looking at competition or thinking about moves that you need to make starting a business or pivoting in business. So that's all I'm going to say, as I said, because we've already introduced them in the last episode. After this one, make sure you go back and listen to episode 79 when he was on first and enjoy. Hey, hey, B, what's up? Everything nice, everything nice. Yeah, and I'm going to call you B instead of Brandon, too. Is that your microphone right there? Yes, it is. I have a Yeti mic. Ah, uh, got you, got you. Yeah, it's just, you can't really see it. It's on the side there. But in any event, I wanted to bring you back because we always have conversations and it's always like, oh, man, that should go on a podcast because we just talk about random stuff about business, right? And last time we had you on, you were talking about how difficult things can be behind the scenes that people don't see. And I know you've now added another layer to your empire, which would add even more color to the story. So first of all, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Happy New Year. Excited to have you back. And yeah, so tell us since the last time, or actually for those who've never even listened to the first episode, let's get into that. Like, who are you and what is it that you do? Sure. You know, I think sometimes when you look at it from perspective, you try to understand exactly what do you do. And so I've heard it be used as a social entrepreneur or serial entrepreneur. At the end of the day, I'm an advocate to ensure that when that youth are able to really change the dynamic and have a brighter future. And that's through any organization that we use. So Divya Athletic, we promote excellence through athletics where we train kids one-on-one, camps, groups, and clinics. Uh, Divya Dream is we help youth at life by sparking social change through STEM and recreational education. And so that's our nonprofit where we work with kids during after school, STEM Saturday, Spark Summer Institute in the summer, scholarships at college, Dream Explorers, where we send kids on a leadership experience outside the country, 
So we're trying to provide kids in the community who may not have access to what their affluent peers have, those same opportunities. And those two organizations led the way for science where we are today, where we are creating the next generation of inventors through uh, STEM or STEAM educational tools that people can purchase online. Yes. And I love that. And okay, so to give you guys some color that are listening, it's just saying like tools. These are cute boxes that have like science experiments that any kids would love to play with and build and create, right? So it reminds me a bit of back in the day when people used to want to put together like volcanoes and put together their solar systems and all that, but obviously with an engineering twist, right? Because it's all a part of the STEM. And it's amazing to me just to see how far everything's come. Because I remember when we were like, what's the name? You know, and you were like going back and forth. And then you came up with science with the IY. And you said it's from Rwanda, right? Right, right. Yeah. And I remember being like, yeah, I think Jay-Z's people's from Rwanda. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there were so many. I was going through my phone the other day and I was like looking at all the names. I was like. There's a reason why we got here, because these names at the time looked great, but they, they wouldn't have worked. They just wouldn't have worked. And so how we got to science, the story and things like that is just great. So going back and looking at the first box template, it was like, wow, this was the first box. This was the second box. And then now we mashed up all the boxes together and made this great box. So I was looking at the boxes the other day, the feel of the box, the inside of the box. And now we're about to change the box. So it's so many different things that you have when you're building a business and creating that thing that's in your mind and making it a reality. Mm-hmm. And the different phases of it, like you're saying, you're looking at your first iteration of the box and now you're looking at this latest one that you're even about to change, but it's so much better than that first one. Right. So I guess going back, what were some of the challenges? Let's talk about naming a business because some people are stuck there, right? Like even while you were trying to figure out the name, you still knew what you wanted it to be. So you were still creating and figuring out what it will look like, even when you didn't have the names. But some people don't even go past that. They think, you know, if I don't have a name, I can't start this or I can't begin doing the research around it. But what were some of the challenges? Because I know you were looking at some things like trademarks and trying to make sure it's something you can have a solid name around. What did that process look like for you? Yeah. So in the beginning, we operated with science very different than we operated for the first two businesses, right? We waited years to get the name trademarked and things like that. With science, we started day one. But the first name we had, I actually don't remember the exact name, but it was used already for an IT system. So it wasn't for kid, but it was in the same space. And so being in that space, we were like, okay, we're not trying to have a battle for no apparent reason, right? And then the second name, I don't even remember that name either, but it just wasn't catchy. It wasn't what I wanted. And so I was visiting one of my friends in Atlanta and I was just doing work. And then I typed in how to say science in different languages. And so I saw all these different names and then it scrolled down once to S-I-Y-A-N-S-E. And I was like, this is it. And I felt like that aha moment when you watch, what's it called? The social network, I think, where Zuckerberg hit the button and launched Facebook. And he's just sitting here like, aha, like, this is it. <laughs> like it just came in. And I was, I just raised my hands like this. And I was like, thank you. And then from there, I just started like just going in. I had a lot of preliminary thoughts 
But as soon as I had the name, like everything flowed. Like I typed for about everything came hours. together. Yeah, it was just so when you saw me looking at my phone just now, I knew we had a conversation about it. I'm looking at our conversation back in November 2020 is when all of this started. And one of the things you had was Stemulate, S-T-E-M, capital, and then you laid afterwards. That's pretty cute, too. But you had a good one. It's Pormento or Wordplay, Guns and Roses, Boy in the Hood. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Maybe that was a podcast. Ignore that piece. But like I'm looking. Oh, Meraki. Was Meraki? Meraki is the one that Cisco Systems has as their IT system. And so doing all that research, I was like, okay, we're not trying to have an issue already out the gate. That's just not what we wanted, right? We wanted the process. And you had Yukio, which is Japanese for living in the moment, detached from the bothers of life. But I feel like this one even feels more connected to science because, like you said, you had the Rwanda piece of it. But I mean, you're from Nigeria, but it's closer than Japan, right? (laughs) We're talking about like wordplay. So I love that you're bringing African culture, even though it's a different country, bringing that to the business itself. And I think that's a big part of what you do. How else do you pull in like pieces of your culture when you're working on your business? Because yeah. I know you wear like the whole garb sometimes when you're going to, to award presentations looking right. like Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to make sure that people understand where things are birthed. And I feel like, and I know we have conversation and people talk about, okay, Africa's the birthplace of everything. And so to have people understand this word, where it comes from, why we used it, why we picked it, why do we actually spell it the way it is. But then also too, once I got the name, I was like, we're going to change the name of science. And that just continued. I love, I love that. I love that. Well, I guess that's not your tagline, but it's like an additional one changing the name of science. Cause it's literally for those of you listening, it's not spelled S C I E N C E how you normally spell science, right? It's S I Y A N S E. Correct. Look at me. I'm like a whole spokesperson for science. So it's spelled differently. And because of that, I love that you're saying we're changing the name of science. And it reminds me, no, this is telling you how big this this can and will go. Because it reminds me of the other day I said to Dean, my husband, I said, well, obviously, you know who Dean is. But for those of you listening, Dean's my husband. I said, man, it's crazy because back in like elementary school, primary school, I used to say, the when someone said Amazon, you immediately thought of the forest. Now the forest isn't even close to anybody's mind. The huge forest, right? First thing they think of is Bezos' company. So it's like, it's crazy how that one person with their business idea was able to change, fundamentally change the name of something to their version of it. And obviously it was spelled the same, so it's kind of different, but yours is still surrounding science, but it's spelled differently because it's focused on this company. I love that. So can you tell us what science, in your words, or for how you're explaining it to kids, what science means the way you spell it? It's exactly how it sounds. It means science. It's just spelled differently. But when you look at it, it phonetically goes better. Um, Mm -hmm. But the same breath, it's just about really making kids have a good time through science, right? Everything that we do is science. Everything we touch and involve technology is science. But it's really about making sure that kids understand that, learn it early enough, but have like a great time doing it. I was talking to mm-hmm. my high school maybe three months ago, and they're like, the same teacher that taught us chemistry is still teaching. So I graduated school in the year 2000 at high school. So the same person, 23 years later now, 
is teaching the same way and things like that. And that's not to have a knock on anyone, but we also have to adjust to the times. Kids are very project-based learning now. They need to sit in different arrangements in class. It cannot just be rows of learning and everyone listening a certain way. That's just not how kids operate today. And so we have to really adjust to the times, but get them to understand, hey, science is great, and this is how you learn it. There's still fundamentals, the periodic table and things like that, but how do we educate them or stimulate their minds through science, right? Like everybody took, learned the periodic table, we never do anything, we never mix anything, everyone dissected a frog, at some point thought it was gross, and then that was the it for science that you did. You didn't blow anything up, you didn't build a rocket, you didn't build a Bluetooth speaker, you didn't build a solar car, you didn't build a mechanical lung, like all of the things that we're coming out with is going to literally be that mind-blowing emoji when kids finish the project. Which is great. And it also creates that additional, without telling them, but it's creating that additional mindset where they're like, okay, there's other careers for me out there outside of, especially for young black boys, right? Like, oh, sports and music and whatever is where a lot of people try to push them if they want to be super successful. And it's like, you can work for NASA. You could do like, you could work for yourself. You know, Elon built his own spaceship. Why can't you? So it's like, it's encouraging them to do and create things that they may not have thought about a decade, even a decade ago. Right. So I love that. And one question I have for you then, because I know it was very different for me. I thought going into a product-based business, I'm like, oh, I've run a business before. Like, it's a business. Like, how hard can it be? Oh, no. <laughs> let's talk, talk about it because <laughs> let's talk about it because you have multiple businesses. You have your charity, which is Dibby a Dream, right? You have right. your other piece of it, which is the service piece of it. Right. But it's like, what is it now with your product-based business you're going to launch, which is science? Like, what are the big differences you notice? Because I noticed a heck of a lot. I noticed that, let's say, for instance, Debbie Athletic, when we first did our first camp, we were getting calls all the time. Everything was there. Everything was there. And we're going to service your child. So you really didn't have questions. This is once we create it and I send it to you, there's nothing that I, I can't come to your house and like fix it, help you work. I can't do anything. It's so hands off. And so you're trying to make sure that it's so perfect that when you deliver this, while we have customer service, you don't need customer service. You're trying mm. to make sure that, like I tell people, we're trying to give people a Disney or slash Chick-fil-A experience with inside a box. So when they open that box, they're having a great time. Kids get auxiliary items like Solar Kit. You get a compass, a sundial, sunglasses and the kid as well. So then you can build a kid cool instructions, videos, things like that. So there's no interaction with us because we can't actually do much from here. We can maybe talk to you on the phone and talk you through it. But if you buy a kid in Bermuda and I'm in Miami, you know, I can't get on a plane and fix that. Like the service business, we're fixing the problem right in front of you. And then also mm -hmm. this took much longer, right? The service business is in my head. I provide the service, you pay. I'm on to the next person. This is dealing with suppliers in China, dealing with suppliers in Russia, dealing with suppliers and different entities in the United States, trademarking, making sure we do testing because now whatever's in that box has to be tested so it doesn't harm the consumer. Mm -hmm. So if you have a pencil, you got to make sure like testing the lead. Like, yeah, it's a lot of pass, right? You can't just get tested and be okay. It's kind of really really pass with mm -hmm. flying colors. And then you're looking in the space, 
when I started Divi Athletic, there wasn't many in the space. A nonprofit, there's many nonprofits, but it's we do it different. This, there are some people in the space, but then how do we differentiate ourselves? How do we ensure that we get a return customer? How do we now look at, okay, if I build a kit and I have the kit and I sell the kit, now I have to look at, okay, when do I order again to ensure that we don't sell out? Everybody wants to sell out so they can post selling out. No, I don't want to sell out. I want to have people, every time you come on the site, you want to buy, you buy. It's not like, oh, we don't have buy it so we can exactly because selling out means you're losing money it means that kids are losing out on experiences they could have had sooner it's a whole lot of other pieces people don't see i love that you mentioned the pieces of testing right and with science it's a whole lot of other pieces so of course you're testing for safety but then you gotta test to make sure that it's stable right you don't want somebody to pick up a pencil and it break or you don't want them to use something and it doesn't work how you want it to so what does that process look like are you taking each of the boxes and letting a kid play with it? Or are you playing with it to try to see like how the ease of use or, you know, if someone can follow the instruction manuals, like what does that piece look like? Yeah. So we have to take a sample size when we test, like, and initially we get down to the final product and then we have all these kits, right? They can't test every kit. So we take a sample size and we're hoping that that sample size reflects the larger number that we have. And so when the consumer gets it, we're hoping everything is fine. So you have to look at testing that sample size. And then for me, when I build a kid, I'm like, okay, is this going to be fun for a child? Are they going to have difficulty? Is this for our older kids or our innovators, as we call them? Or is this for our explorers, our younger kids? Or is this middle for our creators? So you have to look at where that goes. But now everything was very peace. I did this, I did that, I did that. And then I included the team. For the next round, we learned this from the beginning. So now everything is team-based from the beginning. Hey, I'm going to build a kit. You build the curriculum. You build the content. You build the instructions. Everything is happening at the same time. So when there's tweaks, everyone's communicating. You know, Asana has been like this amazing tool for us that I didn't use before. And now I'm mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Asana, for those of you listening, is a project management tool. So you have Asana, you have Trello, you have Notion, different ones that can work with teams to build stuff. But Asana specifically tends to be the go-to for group work and group projects to come in. So it's interesting to hear that. So what you're telling people, those of you listening, that means... There's stuff behind the scenes. Everyone wants to create a product. They want to put a product out there. They want to put it out there as soon as possible. But if you're trying to put out the best product, which I hope everyone has an idea of or a desire to put out like the best version of whatever it is they're creating, it's going to require a lot of work behind the scenes. You know, you're saying dealing with suppliers. We laugh about this all the time because no one is more frustrating than manufacturers that are getting on your nerves, right? Like what challenges have you had where you're just like putting your head in your, like your hands in your head or your head in your hands, I should say, and be like, you know what? I'm handing this over. Jesus take the wheel. This is a lot. (laughs) You really work with someone and you're working with someone in different time zones. So you're staying up late or getting up early. And then the first iteration, second iteration, third, we get to the final iteration. Everything is final. But when they send you the sample, it's the second iteration. And you're like, wait a minute. We were on final. We had a conversation. We talked. We communicated. We made edits. How did we go backward? (laughs) But they're ready to get this out. And I'm like, I need you to think like me. Would you be happy with this iteration? And they're like, well, no, Brandon. Well, we can't just put it out just because people want to put it out. That is not what I'm in the business of. 
And so I'm thankful we've taken the time that we have because the product, now I get pictures from friends and different people who will say, hey, the box came in, right? And so I'll talk to them about any questions that they may have or things like that. But, you know, getting those different iterations when they're not the way you want them and you've had long conversation, that's the first part. And then if you have multiple things like your box, you want to make sure your box is fine. Shipping delivery. They'll say, yeah, it'll be here on the 5th. Something happens that's not in your control. Weather, whatever happens. And so now your shipment's late. Now you can't go into retail. If you're going into retail, you can't launch the actual date that you want to launch. So I totally was said, hey, we don't have a launch date. When I know it's here, we can tell everybody it's here. And if everybody's excited, they're still going to buy it. We're not going to guarantee you it's going to be here on the 5th and it doesn't get here to the 25th. And then you're all upset. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm looking behind you. I obviously don't have that piece of the issue simply because my manufacturer is in the US, right? So the time variance and stuff like that. But I can imagine the headache of that. Behind you, I see a box that says surprise. What's that one? It says surprise. Is that like a Mr. Doesn't it? Oh, no, it says science. No, it's, 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 science. Blurred. it's blurred the background now. As soon as you <laughs> move, I see the bottom of the Y. Okay. Yeah. So it doesn't say surprise. Yeah, so all of these are boxes that we have. The bigger boxes for our boat kit, the medium size is for our solar kit. The smaller one at top is our doctor kit. Those are the first three kits we're coming out with. And then we already have the second group of kits coming hopefully by May. And so hopefully do a big announcement around some of those kits. I'm really excited about those kits. I've taken some time to really make them extremely cool. I feel that they're extremely cool. So hopefully we'll our testers will let us know. And now we're looking at how do we make this box a little better, right? Making sure that if someone sees it, they know right now it's a bunch of words. Right now it's talk about, they can see the kit on the outside of the kit. So we're thinking different now, like big retail or wherever, wherever it is. So that's where we mm-hmm. are. Yeah, because when someone's purchasing, and that's one thing we did when you're designing your initial covering. So whether that's a box, a plastic bag, whatever it is, if your idea is to sell at retail, you're going to make sure that someone walking in the aisle that doesn't have access, immediate access, maybe to your website or anything else can know what's in that box or package or whatever it is. So I'm glad you're thinking about it that way before it's even gone live. So that's a good thing too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now going through the process, everything is different. Like now it's like, okay, how do we really take this to another level? Like here with the production team talking about how do we do some behind the scenes stuff? How do we really engage kids differently, capture things when they're being tested and things like that. So really trying to figure out how do we navigate the space and make it a better experience for the user that we can't engage. And you're saying team, how many people do you have on the team for science? I think we're at five. I call them the fab fives. Okay. What about like the lead up for launch? What's that looking like? Because I know you're not just going to be like, hey, product, buy it. Are you doing stuff around that? Like, what does that piece look like? Or is that like a headache for you? Obviously, you have an interesting segment, right? Because what you're creating is for kids, but it's the parents that are going to be buying. So you have two audiences, essentially, where you're trying to create something that's interesting for the kids to say, look, mom, buy this, but also something where the mom can look at it and see the value immediately. How does that look like? What does that look like for you? Yeah, the next set of kids will have a full marketing plan. The first did not because we were focused on B2B. So we were getting pre-sales, pre-orders from various organizations to ensure that those kids sold. The second group 
We will have a full marketing plan. They'll have a full rollout. Uh, we're working with a great group in the Saks agency to really see, you know, how do we do that the best way? And so that will be taken care of by them. It's not necessarily a headache for me, but then there's just other things that I'm focused on. So they will take that load. And then um, our PR marketing team and with Stephanie Cruz, she'll lead the way that's that way. So we're excited about that launch. But first that we really didn't launch. I talked about it on social media. And then once we launched, uh, people who knew about it purchased. But we have pre-sold probably, I think, 60% of them already. That's what the focus was with the first set of kits. And then the second set, it's B2B, but also B2C. And it's custom. So like, what does the MOQ look like? What does the minimum order quantity look like for a custom kit? How many do you have to order at a time? Yeah, so it, all, it really depends on how you feel. I would tell anybody to really take some time and learn your market. I think we did orders of 1,000, 1,000, and 3,000 because we knew that was numbers that I felt that we could sell. And I didn't want to go big. Yeah, we'll sell 10,000 units. And I was like, well, let's see how it plays in the market because there's other players in the market, right? And so we want to make sure that one, we can get the kits out to enough people where they can test them, understand them. And then they're like, yeah, we want more. And so we provide more. And so that's what we started with. But the next order will be more. I'm not sure on the number yet, but there'll definitely be more for the first three. And then the three that are coming out, it'll probably be two times what we originally ordered. But that's still substantial, even that first order, right? Like a lot of people think they want to create something and it's something that doesn't already exist because you have the option of white labeling a lot of things out there. Like if you want to create a skin cream, you could just throw your own packaging and label and logo on a skin cream that already exists. Like it's plenty of companies that allow you to do that. But when you're creating something custom, like a best period cup or like a science kit, when you are the MOQ, the minimum order quantity does tend to be higher. So that's something you, the listener, have to think about as well. When you're creating something is thinking of the budget for it all, because even listening to you, I mean, obviously you're paying for that, but then you have staff you have to pay for, right? You have the marketing expenses that are going to come and all the other pieces. So it's a lot of different moving pieces of the puzzle that a lot of people don't think about beforehand. Right. And I know you're also a reader. We're always talking about books. So you always read on some new book. But what would you say is if you can list your three favorite top go to always going back and you learn something from it, books that you've gotten through, what are they? I would say like I have a book on my desk now, The Power of Positive Thinking. I think that for an entrepreneur or anyone in a space of new development, you have to keep your eye on the prize, but you have to also be very positive. There's tons of stuff that can come in negative. Oh, it didn't work on your 12th iteration. Like just trying to get the kit to work didn't work, right? But maybe if you try 13, oh, I tweaked this. Now it works. Now we can go move forward. So the power of positive thinking. Uh, I think the book is called The One Thing. It's really talking okay. about keeping, you know, you have an initial vision Everything has to lead up to that. Whatever doesn't lead up to that one thing, you don't need to do. Another book I would say, I think I just started reading it again. I think I, I enjoy it because it causes me to focus the 12 week, week year. Oh, that's the one we were talking about the other day. Yeah. yeah. That causes me to focus and really work hard for 12 weeks, even though 12 weeks is the four quarters. But you try to work so hard so that you meet the year within those 12 weeks and then you can 
you can work three 12 weeks and then you don't have to work the fourth one, right? And so mm-hmm. I think those books for me have really helped. An additional one that I just finished, which I really like how they laid out the process of amount of sales per day was, I think it was- 12 months to a million? 12 months to a million, yeah. So I like how they gave you like small increments and say, okay, if you do this, this is your dollar amount. And so if you 10X it, you'll get this dollar amount and things like that. So those are the books I would recommend. I would just really tell people, you have to have a level of confidence that people or that touches and i don't like how people say arrogance but it touches that because you have to believe that this is going to work if you don't believe it's going to work it won't and so if you're not that one person who is the biggest cheerleader of that like kobe talks about mama mentality like that's the first person i thought of kobe and jordan right like when you think of again the mama mentality it's just i know that's gonna get a lot of pushback i like lebron but i do think he's missing that piece of it that one piece where it's like, if you ask him who's the best, he'll say, um, you know, he'll probably tell you with some doubt and say, you know, but this person's good, this person's good. Kobe, would, he don't care. Jordan could be sitting next to him. Kobe would have told you he's the best. And, yes, you know, exactly. it's, that's what goes like that. I, I'm sure if you ask Jay-Z in a room too, like, who's the best rapper? He'll tell you I am. I laugh. Like, oh, it's oh. this level of confidence that comes with it. But beyond that, it's a bit of delusion, right? You need to be a delusional entrepreneur. And I right. say it all the time. Like, I have zero quit in me. I'm like, I don't care if the walls are on fire and everything else is pointing to no. I'm like, well, it's going to be a yes. Because I yeah. said it's going to be a yes. And I'm not going to stop until it's a yes. So it can't it can't not be a yes because I'm not going to stop. Can't stop, won't stop, diddy. So it's like, <laughs> you just have to keep moving. So I love that. And I love that you have that same mentality where it's like, we're doing this thing in 2023 is going to be fire for the both others. Oh, yeah. I mean, it because I was looking at, you know, there was a point in time where you're creating these kits and you see the competitors in the space, right? And then you do mm-hmm. research as you do and you're like, okay, these people have investors and things like that. And I was like, well, you started two successful businesses. Why? What's stopping you from this? The only thing that's stopping you is you. So if you want this kit to be this way, you push hard enough for the kid to be that way. If you want the box this way, if you want to sell this amount, it's all about the output that you put out there. And so that's the main thing is making sure that, look, we're going to be in this space. Me saying we're going to change the name of science is not like a tagline. It's not a joke. It's not uh, something I just tell myself. It's not a, it should be a mantra, but it's, it's not even that. It's a belief. It is going to happen. And so whatever you say, mm-hmm. whatever you choose, your revenue goals or whatever it may be. Now we're in the new year. So whatever your new year goals, the only way that they don't happen is if you don't do them, if you don't put the effort, the time and the energy into making those happen. And so, yeah, some people call it delusional confidence because you have to believe it so much that it's just automatic. Yeah, you're convinced. It, you have to, they say like the best entrepreneurs have a level of delusion. Like it's just a part of your DNA. Like, right. Like you're like, yeah, I'll be fine. Most people by nature are risk averse. Right. And we have a higher risk tolerance than others. So I definitely see that. But I love that you mentioned the competitors because I think that's a big piece that holds a lot of people back. And one thing I like to remember is that we don't see what's happening behind the room. I've been in masterminds with people who had 10 million backing from VCs and they got kicked out of their own business. I've seen people with huge funding opportunities that 
those businesses have failed within two years because they got the money or they think they have the money. They go build a huge team, but don't know how to manage that team. So it's so many other things that could be happening behind the scenes. They could be wasting resources and things that aren't going to get that box where it needs to go. So we always have our own special sauce that other people aren't going to be able to put in it. And the other thing I like to remember is what's stopping Gucci from making a white shirt if Mark Mark Jacobs has a white shirt, right? Nothing. And they're both going to get an audience for it. So we have to also remember that just be someone else in the space is actually a good thing because it's a validation of the idea. It's telling you that it's something that people obviously want because if not, then it wouldn't be a business doing it already. So it tells you there's a market for it. So being the first one is great for some instances, but other times having that is good, especially in retail and talking to a couple of buyers, like it's interesting, like if a new product comes out, they've never seen just talking to them. They're like, they'd say, you know, well, how do I know that's going to work? It's good when you have competitors on the shelves, because then they can look at those statistics and say, okay, well, we know we sell 10 a day or 10 a week or whatever. So we're able to put yours there and get an idea of how much we can make from it. When it's a new thing, it's kind of scary to them. So there's advantages of having competitors already out there. And you also can learn from their mistakes if you aren't watching them too, too tough, you know? Of course, of course. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that you have to stay in your lane. You can always look and see, okay, this is what they did. That may work for them, but our audience is different or we can do this better or things like that. You still have to have your own focus, but you also have to have an understanding of what's out there as well. Just like you were talking about statistics, like, okay, this kid similar to someone else has sold this amount. Okay. So potentially we have the opportunity to do something within this realm. Right. And then you just figure out how to make it different. Like what our kids, exactly. anybody who gives you a kid is giving you the product. That's it. They're giving you that. We give you auxiliary items to make you feel that you're that STEM profession. We give you extremely detailed instructions. Videos are coming soon and different things like that. If it's a B2B, they get a curriculum. We're aligned to national science standards and the various science standards around the world. So we ensure that every base is covered here. And it's not that you buy this box and it's just a one-off. This is an actual experience within a box that meets the criteria for your, if you're in third grade, your third grade science standards, this box meets that. Or if you're whatever grade it may be. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned that too, because you're able to look at them and like you said, set yourself apart because because those are already out there, you're able to say, okay, well, I know what's there and this is how ours is different, where they don't have that opportunity because they were one of the first ones. Well, they can make changes, I'm sure, but you have that opportunity looking in now and saying, okay, I like this, don't like this, this is what I would change. These are the pain points people may have using a box like that. And here's how we're addressing those pain points. So when I got what's it called? Passion. I start hitting stuff. That was my Apple watch. This thing. Just hit my computer. It's a good thing to be able to step back and look at it. And I always ask at the end of the podcast, like, what does freedom mean to you? And I'm going to ask you that, but I have another question for you okay. because I know you speak in rap lyrics a lot of times, right? And I have a feeling I know what the answer to this is going to be. But if you were to have a song that was your theme for the year, I think I know what it is, but what would your theme song be for the year? I think you might have asked me this before somebody else. And I went to the prelude by Jay-Z because that defines me leaving corporate America, really stepping through the door of entrepreneurship, but doing it my way and not 
really answering anyone or kissing a ring or asking for permission or anything like that. My song this year, uh-huh. I feel like my song this year is super Wait, good. before you, okay, I was going to say, before you say it, I was going to type it down. No, that's not what I was going to think. I thought you were going to say DJ Khaled's God Did. God Did. It is, that's a close one because <laughs> either God Did, I would say God Did, or definitely Superheroes, Metro Boomin, I think it's Future and Chris Brown. I think in this space now, people have always kind of had a very high expectation for me and I've dumbed it down. And this year I'm stepping into the space. I remember when Black Panther came out and all of my friends were saying, you're Black Panther. And I was like, I'm not Black Panther just because I'm Nigerian or whatever it may be, or I'm not STEM. But then when I saw the end of the movie, when he bought these different buildings, he built the STEM center, I got what they were saying. And so I think sometimes- I mean, but there are other parts to there Black Panther that you correlate with being. Yeah, sure. <laughs> come, come on now. I felt that people saw something that I would, I think, uh, I would say humble at the time, but humble has a totally different definition. I would shy away from. You don't play it, your, you don't play what it is that you were doing and what, exactly. yeah, where you now stood. That's not happening anymore. No, I'm stepping into it. We are superheroes. We are changing the way kids look at science. We are changing the opportunities that kids have in the community. We are changing the way kids engage sports. We are also through discovery education. We're engaging almost 50,000 kids through STEM online. Like this is not the time to shy away from facts. You know, these are actual facts. This is not something I'm making up or trying to boast about. It is actual facts that we are changing the way Kids look at education and educating tomorrow leaders today. So those two songs would do it. But I'm constantly yelling, God did. I was just telling people before, it's like, he was showing all the Jordans and saying, still, still, still. Like he said, man, Kellett's Instagram page is constant. I'll tell you, I love it. Dean and I talk about it all the time. We're like, this guy is like oozing positivity and like ambition, like. He yeah. is awesome. I love his page. And when you were talking just now, it reminded me, I'm going to send you a podcast episode I did, episode 94. Did you listen to the one with Dwayne Michael, founder of Everything Legendary? I feel like I did, but I'm going to listen to it today. Why don't you send it to me? Okay, so he got a deal with Mark Cuban on Shark Tank, and he has Everything Legendary Burger. It's episode 94, for those of you listening, that he put out there. And when we were talking, he was in a few supermarkets and stuff, but when I tell you this man's like, he wasn't turning off for no one. Like his grit and determination, he showed up as like an Uber Eats person and delivered his burger to Publix or wherever it was. And they didn't order it. And he took it there. Like just, he's like, I ain't backing down. Everybody's taking it, but it's in Publix now. Right. So they looked at him like he was crazy, but now he's in so many thousands of stores now because of this unrelenting, like everywhere you go, if you look at his like, I've got him on Instagram, on LinkedIn, everywhere. But wherever he is, it's like, we've got the best burgers, best burgers in the world. Like, you, this guy does not turn off. And I love it. I absolutely love it. And I'm like, because it's this mentality where if you say it enough, people's going to start to believe it, right? Yeah. Like, Kanye oh. told everybody he's a genius. Then he came out with, then the Netflix <laughs> series was talking on right. it. And people talk about his genius level in art all the time, right? They talk about a whole lot of other stuff these days because he's doing a pack. Right. But, you, you know, my point is like, because he kept telling you he's a genius. If he didn't tell you he's a genius, you would have just sat there. And it's like, sometimes you require that level of confidence and you need to sometimes tell people who you are and what it is that you do. And they start seeing it on your behalf, right? 
So right. certain things, even with our menstrual cups, I spoke to a lot of the things that it separates it from others on the market. And now I don't even have to say it. I hear other people pulling on those same words to describe it. And I'm like, ha, it worked. So right. it's like, I mean, it's also facts, but back to the facts and, you know, the confidence of it, it helps. So yeah, that episode's good. And it's something else I'll tell you about when we pop off of here. Yeah, but, yeah for sure. And yeah, I want to- also talks about it as well. Like I was, I do these more- that? Sorry? Jay-Z. Um, okay, yeah. Born and walks with my mom now. And I was talking about how Jay-Z says everyone is born with genius levels. Oh. Yes. It's just about if we tap into it or we hone that gift. And so that's the thing now. It's now now putting in the effort, putting in the work to ensure that I maximize the gift I have. I mean, Kobe and Jordan said it the same. It's my duty to be in shape and take care of my body so that the person who paid for the seat gets to see me play every game. We have a responsibility to ensure that our greatness impacts people within the world. And if we do not take care of that gift or hone that ability. We are robbing the world of our greatness. And that's what I'm off for 23 and beyond. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I know the exact video you're talking about when he talks about the genius level, genius level talent. This is totally unrelated, but you mentioned you go on walks, morning walks with your mom. Yeah. Is she in Miami now? No, I'm in New Orleans a lot more. Okay. Cause I'm like, okay, something happened. Something switched up. You're in New Orleans right now. Okay. By the way, being Brendan travels everywhere like every other week not even every other week every week sometimes within the week he's in multiple locations like he's just in a different locale i should have started by asking where are you right now so um yeah that's great so i'm gonna end this by asking the question just because your answer may have changed since the last time you spoke so what now is your definition what does freedom mean to you yeah, that's that's an interesting question. I know it's different from before, but I think freedom is the opportunity to, I don't want to just say create the change you want to see, but actually be able to do that. I think there mm-hmm. are many times where you will hear certain things. I will use one example. It's like there's not enough minorities or women in STEM. And so, okay, if I keep hearing that for years, that means it's not being changed. So if I have the opportunity to change that, that means that there I've either amassed a certain amount of network, wealth, or talent to change that. But you have to be able to do that. And I think that's where freedom comes, where I can change the things that I want to see. Then I'm truly being free and honest with myself and being my authentic self. I think that freedom also falls into your authentic nature as well, right? You can't just have freedom, but not be your authentic self. They go together. So my authentic self is to ensure that there are situations that need to be changed and have the opportunity and the talent and treasure to actually change them. And then live the life that you truly want to live, really live free. And everyone Mm -hmm. has their own definition of what that means. But once you find that definition, be able to do that. That's what I feel is what freedom means to me. Freedom. Mm, that's so great. And you mentioned something just now, and it made me think of that's the character of an entrepreneur, being able to change something that other people are complaining about. Right. Virgin Atlantic did it. What's his name? Um, who runs Virgin? Richard Branson. 
because people were complaining for years. The seats are uncomfortable on an airplane. They hate the lighting. The food's terrible. And he says, okay, I'm going to change it. But he also had the money to, to change it, right? You then had um, Uber. For how many decades were people complaining about taxis and saying they stink, the drivers are rude, they come late, all of these issues. But then no one was changing that and that until Uber came along. People were complaining about hotels, you know. So it's being able to see the situations around you and make a change with them. So, yeah, a lot of people just complain. But then you have people who take those complaints and make them into something beautiful, which is what you're doing. So thank you for hopping on, B. Yeah, of course. Of course. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, I'm going to assume you did because you made it through to the end. Make sure you take a screenshot and tag us over on Instagram. I am at Gainette, that's G-A-Y-N-E-T-E. And you can find Brandon at his last name. So it's Opalabi, but the K is silent. So it's O-K-P-A-L-O-B-I. And I know we both have some pretty difficult Instagram names to remember, but hey, you guys remember how to spell Kardashian. You'll be fine. So make sure you tag us over on Instagram and we shall chat next time. Bye-bye. Okay, okay, I see you, Freedom Slayer. You stayed through to the end, which tells me that you likely enjoyed this episode. Listen, if you haven't already, do your sister a favor by heading on over to the iTunes store to leave a review for the podcast. It'll help others like you find a benefit from it. And look, it also helps with the rankings. Hashtag transparent AF. I appreciate you.